Jake here. Thank you for taking a trip to the past with me. The original podcast version of The Americans will be released weekly, but if you don't want to wait, then go to jakebible.substack.com and become a paid subscriber. You'll receive access to all of The Americans as well as early release novels, audiobooks, and other exclusive extras. That's jakebible.substack.com. Now enjoy the original podcast production of The Americans. Cheers. Warning. This podcast reading is for mature audiences only. You will not be warned again. Welcome to the podcast reading of Jake Bible's The Americans, book two in the Dead Mech Apex Trilogy. The Americans is a sidequel to Dead Mech, meaning it takes place simultaneously with book one. You can listen to this novel first or start with Dead Mech. Go to jakebible.com for more information on this podcast, Dead Mech, and other fiction by Jake Bible. Enjoy. Addy, y'all. Welcome back to the Americans. We're up to episode 12 now. Things are going to get interesting. Um, pretty much from here on out, it's going to be a rocket ride. Not that it's been slow and boring before, but holy crap, just hang on. Because, um, yeah, from this episode forward, shit going to get crazy. Um, let's see, what to announce? No promos this week. Why? Because I just don't have time to hunt them down. That's just all there is to it. If you want me to play your promo, shoot me an email. Send me a message on Facebook, on what you would call that other thing, Twitter, you know, that thing. Just let me know. I'll play your promo. But um, get them to me. I'm just, you know, pressed for time. I barely got this episode put together. And um, hunting down promos is just not on my list of priorities. I do have a lot of people to thank for all their help with Dead Mech and with Americans and all that. And I will definitely be playing more promos um, from those folks again as the run goes on. But I just can't keep playing the same promos over and over and over because pretty soon people will stop listening to those promos, not care, and it just doesn't do any good anymore. It does more harm than good. That's how that works. Anyway... Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Hey, be sure and go to jakebible.com. Check out all the great fiction for sale, folks. You know, I am doing this out of the kindness of my heart because I'm a giver. Um, but you know, I am selling some stuff too. Yeah, I don't know if you know that. I've got a novel out. It's called Dead Mech. You may have heard of it. It's in print form. It is. It's in ebook form. It's true. Kindle, Nook, Smashwords. I've got a collection of short stories with a novelette, Bethany and the Zombie Jesus. Once again, print, Kindle, Smashwords, Nook. You can get that shit, all right? And you should go do that um, because, you know, it helps put food on my table. I get to feed my children. They get to have the jumbo size ramen instead of just the little ramen. See, keep my kids in ramen, people. That's what you need to do. Buy yourself a 99-cent ebook. Boom. There we go. I got a package of ramen right there. And before you math whizzes go, hey, ramen costs five for a dollar, I don't get all the 99 cents, doofus. I only get a percentage of that as a royalty. Do your math. Come on. All right. Now, that's enough shilling and enough uh, making fun of the math wizards who are being snarky out there. And I know you're being snarky, math wizards. You can put your little one plus one wand away. 
Anywho, I think that's about it. I'm not sure what else to say, so I'll stop rambling because no one wants to hear me just go, ah. No one wants to hear that, and that's awful. Horrible noise, and I'm sorry I subjected myself to that. All right, thanks as always, y'all. Hope you have a good week, weekend, life, month, year, eon, you know, all depending on who you are. And um, you rock. All right. Cheers, y'all. Chapter 15 It took Heather less than an hour to get to the blast zone. She pulled the helmet of the Haz suit on and secured the seal, making sure none of the radiation and fallout from the nuclear detonation would affect her. Stepping from the skiff, she walked to the edge of what was left of the grand forest that had surrounded the former American base. The trees were scorched and withered, but most were still standing and many even had leaves and needles on them. Heather cautiously left the tree line, watching her footing on the ashy, muddy slope that overlooked the massive crater below but she knew that was more an illusion from the deep black the ground had turned due to the intense heat of the blast. She couldn't believe what she was seeing. All through school as a kid, she had heard of how the United States had erupted in internal civil war, resulting in mutual destruction on both sides, leaving the American continent as scorched and an uninhabitable wasteland. At no point did she ever think she would witness the same thing now, when the Americans had fought so hard to secure their place in the world. Why? Why would anyone do this? Was power that important? Were the Americans such a threat to the extremists, the LOM, the whoever the fuck really did this? Heather looked out into the swirling ash clouds that formed at the edge of the crater, knowing some of that ash used to be human, used to be American. Melissa pulled on the reins, bringing the stallion up short as she and Beth left the shade of the woods and entered the brilliant green of a large meadow. Melissa hopped down, grabbed a bag from the saddle, and swatted the horse gently on its flank, letting the animal know it could wander free in the meadow. Melissa helped Beth down, sending her horse out with the other. The accompanying guards remained mounted on their horses, setting themselves at even intervals around the meadow. Spreading a blanket, Melissa began to go through the bag the kitchen had prepared for them. Meat, cheese, fruit, water, wine, and bread, she announced. How very rustic. Sounds nice, Beth said. Simple. You'd know simple, Melissa joked, but this time her voice was missing most of the venom it usually had. Did you say there was wine? Beth asked. Don't they know we're underage? I think the annihilation of our culture might have made them go easy on us, Melissa countered. The two girls leaned back and watched the clouds break up and reform above them for a long while. Finally, Melissa uncorked the wine bottle and took a long swig. She handed the bottle to Beth. Um, are you sure? Beth asked, looking over at Alex's guards. You don't think they'll tell Heather? You said it yourself earlier, Melissa grinned, forcing the bottle into Beth's hands. You could be dead tonight, tomorrow, or the next day. If that isn't an excuse to start drinking, then I don't know what is. Beth took a cautious sip before Melissa yanked the bottle from her grasp. It's for drinking, not kissing, Melissa said, chugging a good amount. Beth reached across and pulled the bottle away playfully, took another drink, and handed it back. I'm glad to have changed clothes, Beth said. That corset was cutting off the circulation to my boobs. Melissa snorted. You said boobs. Are you a 12-year-old boy, Mel? Beth laughed. Boobs. 
The girls watched the clouds some more before Beth spoke up. So what's it like being an active ghost now? Melissa shrugged. Not much different than before, except I know more about how things work. I understand the link between the Americans' genetics and biochrome. Like how? Beth asked between sips. I know I felt something back on the beach, but I, I had no knowledge of what I was doing. I, I just did it. Yeah, that, that must have freaked your shit out. Uh, freak, Melissa laughed. Don't call me freak, Beth smiled. Then give me back the bottle, Mel said, pulling the wine away and drinking deeply. I guess the hard part is knowing what my talent is, my expertise. How do you mean? Well, it's like how Billy can design and build any vehicle needed, and Heather can make and use any weapon with just a thought, Melissa replied. Every ghost has a specific talent, but there's no way to predict how it will manifest. Are, are there any signs? Do you have any feelings one way or another? Sort of. I felt my body come alive last night when we saw all the clothes, but I was so tired and messed up I didn't take the moment to explore the feeling. Um... I think we both felt alive seeing those clothes. That was an impressive collection. No, it was different, Melissa said, taking her time before finishing. It was almost like I could see the patterns of each piece overlaid with the actual thing. I saw the stitching, the, the material thread count, the, the way each blouse would fit with each skirt or trousers, how each dress would go perfectly with each pair of shoes. Well, maybe fashion is your talent. Beth laughed. You can make sure everyone is their stylish best before they go into mortal combat. Or, Melissa began, it could mean that I can translate that talent into building new shock suits. I could weave BC into uniforms that are as light as organic material but tough as BC armor. Beth rolled over and looked at Melissa. I wish I could do that. Melissa couldn't help but laugh. I wish I could fucking melt spiders with my mind. I'll trade you. I don't know how I did that. I haven't felt the same since, but I can't quite capture what happened. It's, it's like the power of it just, it's just out of reach. Well, keep trying to grasp it. It, it could be help, be helpful. Melissa's words began to slur, and she looked at alarm at the wine bottle in her hand. Ah, oh, shit. What is it? Beth asked, rolling to her side to face Melissa. The movement made her dizzy and the meadow swam about her. Uh, oh, damn. The last thing the girls heard before losing consciousness was the sound of gunfire and yells of alarm from Geltz's men. Then all went black. The techs in the shop nodded courteously to the Empress as she and Zverev strode through the many departments until they reached a thick black door in the back. Zverev entered his code on the keypad and thumbed in his biometrics. The door slid back and he ushered the Empress inside. So, Natalia demanded, is it what the three said it would be? Yes, your majesty, the lead tech, Dr. Stillig, responded. I believe it is. He gestured to a set of tools set along the wall, but the Empress ignored him, preferring to stand and glare. Well, what is it? A nanotech, your highness. Very foreign. I have never seen tech like this before, Dr. Stillig answered, activating a blown-up hollow of what he was looking at under the microscanner. I will need a larger sample. There, there are only small traces. The main containment has been lost. Lost? Where? The Empress asked, her patience already waning. Dr. Stillig glanced at Zverev, but was met with a blank stare. 
I am unsure, your highness. I only examined the container as it was given to me. The empress grinned. Take a guess. Dr. Stillig swallowed hard. It could be possible that the main containment was transferred? Transferred how? The empress asked, fiddling absently with some of the equipment lining the lab. It may be in a vehicle? Stillig began. The empress turned to Zverev, who shook his head. No vehicle, doctor. Where else? Well, um, it could be possible that, well, given the right conditions, a, um, person could be carrying the containment? The doctor stuttered. But that, that would be quite risky. If containment was breached, that person could possibly be killed by the nanotech. Unless... The empress twirled her hands, egging the doctor on. Well, and this is all theory, Dr. Stillig said. If the person had some sort of conditioning to handle ingestion of large quantities of metal, say if they were an American ghost? Natalia smiled broadly. That is an excellent theory, doctor. She clapped her hands together enthusiastically. Who else knows of the nanotech? Just my lead assistant, your majesty, Dr. Stillig answered, worry creasing his brow. The empress turned to Zverev. Find the assistant's family and hold them, you know, as motivation. We wouldn't want any loose lips. Understand? Uh, of course, your majesty, Zverev replied as he followed Natalia out of the room. This will be an excellent addition to our collection. Don't you think, doctor? The empress asked. I will need a larger sample, your highness, the doctor risked saying. And I will try to bring it to you, doctor. The Empress grinned as she and Zverev left the lab. I think I know right where it is. Dr. Stillig leaned heavily on the work table next to him and closed his eyes. He knew it was just a matter of time before something like this happened. He was glad only his assistant's family would be held. His predecessor hadn't been so lucky. I could feel you coming before you got halfway down the hall. Vasily said as a prison guard let Alexander into the cell, closing and locking it behind him. So deteriorated was Vasily's physical state that no one would have known the two brothers to be identical twins. Alexander looked down with pity at his brother and the putrefying corpse laying across his legs, covering his mouth with his hand to ward off the smell. You have to let them take Peter Voss, Alexander said kindly, kneeling close, gripping his brother's shoulder. Vasily winced in pain but didn't pull away. No need, Tick. I'll be joining him soon. Alexander's heart broke at the mention of his nickname, Tick and Talk. It was what their mother had called them when they were children. Here come Tick and Talk, she would call out when they ran into her bedroom. You can't have one without the other. Alexander fought, but he was soon bawling, his head buried in his brother's neck. Vasily reached up absently and patted Alex's head softly. Shh, he whispered. There's nothing you can do. Whatever you give her, whatever she wants or not, it's already gotten so far she will have to kill me. Kill us both unless you can get away. Alexander pushed away. No, he shouted, wiping his nose. I'll, I'll get you out of here. Vasily looked up into his brother's teary eyes. You don't believe that, he said, taking Alexander's hand in his. Save yourself if you can, preferably without giving the cunt what she wants. Alexander couldn't help but smile. The cunt. They all had their nicknames. He wiped roughly at his eyes. Will you let me take Peter? No, Tick, 
Vasily answered quietly. I will be joining him shortly. Vasily opened his right hand and a small piece of white apothecary paper fell out of it. I still have friends in the guard. They were able to help me along. How soon? Alexander asked, suddenly calm now that his brother's fate was decided. Minutes? Vasily yawned. Maybe sooner. I waited to take it until I knew you were coming. Alexander settled down next to his brother. I'll wait with you if that's okay. Of course, Vasily smiled through another yawn. I would love nothing more. The two twins held hands as one waited for the other to die. So did you design this or did Al? Billy asked from behind the bar as he placed a well-stocked jar of scabs back in place, having taken what he needed. A little of both, Stiles said, his feet propped up on a table as he lifted a pint of dark beer. Mostly Al, though, uh, he says it's something he's been dreaming about since he was a little tack. Billy laughed and mixed a very dry martini. Okay, I have to ask, what's with the whole cowboy thing? I mean, you even have the accent. I hate to break it to you, partner. The South ain't gonna rise again. Don't really know, Stiles said honestly. It's how my people talked and how I've always talked. Well, fair enough, Billy said, sipping from his glass. I've known Americans from Spain that had Spanish accents so thick I sometimes had to switch on the translator in my calm. Billy took a long swig of his cocktail. But what about the hat? That had to be specially made. It was, Stiles answered, fingering the brim. Made for my great-granddaddy. I just happened to have the right size head. So it's not true about the combat wound? Stiles laughed and tapped his empty glass with his finger. Billy grinned, poured another, and walked over, taking a seat next to him as he handed him the fresh pint. Thanks, Stiles said. I do have a wound under my hat, but not really from combat. More a uh, vocational hazard. And which vocation would that be? Professional guinea pig, Stiles said, his face suddenly hard and serious. Al found me in some lab I, I really don't know where and got me the hell out of there. Of course, I doubt he would have done it if I couldn't fly this baby. Stiles patted the wall of the cabin. So, um, what does BTT stand for? Billy asked, knowing from the look on Stiles' face he wasn't going to get any more explanation about the lab. Better than tits, Stiles snorted. Heather took a deep breath grimacing at the sterile antiseptic taste from the suit's air processors. She didn't even flinch when the twig snapped behind her. I know you're there, she whispered. Might as well show yourself. There was a slight rustle and a shadow pulled away from the trees. Come on, Heather insisted. I don't have all day. The shadow stepped into the light and Heather gasped. A young man, American by the style of shock suit he still wore, approached her cautiously. Lacerations crisscrossed his face and one eye was all but unrecognizable, its purple-black mass swollen like a ripe piece of fruit. His shock suit was scarred and burned in many places and Heather could tell the helmet was no longer functional since he hadn't bothered to raise it and his skin was showing sure signs of severe radiation poisoning. You're American? the young man asked. A ghost? Yes. What happened? Heather asked, peering further into the forest, trying to see if there was anyone else. Don't bother, the trooper sighed. I think I'm the only one that made it out. What are you doing here? Heather said, guiding the trooper away from the crater and back towards the skiff. He yanked his arm away and stepped back. 
No, they are watching, he hissed. I, I shouldn't have exposed myself to you. But you did, so let me help you. Y you can't. I just wanted to warn you to get away, he said rapidly. Our orders were to storm the palace and take the Empress, but they were waiting for us. I made it into the woods. That was just before the detonation. The trooper looked past Heather, his eyes fixing on the past. They nuked it all. The base. Everything. He snapped out of his reverie and gripped Heather by the shoulders. Leave now. They want to kill us all. His last words were cut short as his face was ripped open by an unheard bullet. Heather stumbled back, wiping at the brains and bits of bone splattered across her face mask. The hillside was instantly surrounded by the palace guards, their weapons trained on Heather. She glanced quickly back at the skiff and knew, even with her speed, she wouldn't make it in time. Fuck, she cursed, already moving to close the distance between her and the palace guards. On the ground now, one shouted. We do have orders to execute you if you do not comply. Yeah, good luck with that, assholes, Heather shouted as she reached the first guard, her speed taking him by surprise. She dropped to the ground, her body sliding along the slick, muddy slope and kicked out with her right leg, connecting with the guard's kneecap, the crunch of bone drowned out only by the guard's scream. She tossed him aside as he fell onto her, grabbed up his rifle, rolled to her left, and opened fire. Three quick trigger pulls and she dropped three guards, but also caught a return bullet in her right shoulder, spinning her about and slamming her to the ground, her suit sealing instantly. Heather had been shot many times before, but this time she knew was different. She could feel the bullet rip through muscle and shatter her shoulder blade as it exited out her back, but she also felt the searing pain of healing flesh, just like with a BC suture rush job, and instantly knew she was no longer wounded. Not wasting any time, Heather flipped herself to her feet and bolted for the tree line, hearing bullets rush past her head as she ducked into the cover of the shadows. Another slug hit her, then another, and another, bouncing her body against the pine trees surrounding her. She started to convulse, but not from the gunshots. She ripped her helmet off, doubled over, and heaved out more of the red-black goo that had been plaguing her for the past day. Struggling to her feet, the viscous liquid dripping from her chin, Heather turned and faced the remaining guards, their rifles squared at her chest. Fuck you, she gurgled as more liquid flowed from her throat and out her mouth. The guards opened fire, and it wasn't until their magazines had emptied that Heather finally lost consciousness, her body unable to keep up with the assault. Geltz had disabled every bit of surveillance he could find in his quarters. If you could call a small, cold room behind the kitchen quarters, knowing they would be watching him, listening to him, coming for him. Not exactly what he thought the head of security and personal bodyguard for one of Europe's royal members deserved, but then he had learned to roll with the punches in his line of work. Which was why he was sitting in a chair in the far corner of the room, the lights off and two auto pistols in his lap, when they did come for him. Knowing they would be wearing body armor at the least, and shock suits at the most, he made sure every shot he took was a headshot. There was a pile of headless bodies six deep blocking the door before the first pistol was empty and he tossed it aside, rolling from the chair to the middle of the room, hoping they weren't going to use explosives or heavy guns. Hand to hand he could handle, small arms he could compensate for, but the room was too tiny for him to survive any heavy ordnance. Mr. Geltz, Zverev's voice, voice boomed. I do not want to kill you, and wish you would stop killing my men. Stop sending them in here, then, Geltz shouted back, immediately moving to a different spot in the room so they couldn't lock on his voice, although he was sure their scanners had his body signature targeted. We have been asked to bring you into temporary custody. Zverev called. You are not to be harmed. 
only detained for security reasons. Geltz shook his head. He knew they could take him eventually. There was only one of him, after all. He didn't expect any rescue, since he was pretty certain that the rest of his security team hadn't been made the same offer and were probably nothing but ash in the trash incinerator's catch bin. He took a deep breath and glanced about his room. The shadowy outlines of the single bed, small desk, and chair, and small dresser mocked him, providing zero cover or protection. He could hear the muffled voice of Zverev directing his team, probably getting ready to blast their way through at any moment. Why do you want me alive? Geltz asked. There was a slight pause. Because it is the only way to get the prince to do as the empress wants, Zverev answered honestly. With you alive, Prince Alexander will feel more secure and will be more cooperative. Geltz smiled. Zverev had a reputation for bluntness and brutality in the security world, but he also was known as a man of his word. Of course, his word was only good if it didn't go against his orders from his empress. I'm coming out, Geltz shouted, and he could hear the guards checking their weapons and setting positions. I'm leaving my pistol inside and my hands will be raised. Kill me, Zverev, and my ghost will haunt you for eternity. Understood. Zverev said, and Geltz knew he would live through the next few moments, but had no illusions as to his future. You've been listening to the podcast reading of Jake Bible's The Americans. This novel and recording are protected under whatever latest, greatest Creative Commons license is out there currently. Share this all you want. Just don't even try to make a buck off it without the express permission of the author, me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please go to jakebible.com. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the re-release of the original podcast production of The Americans. Don't want to wait each week for a new episode? Go to jakebible.substack.com and become a paid subscriber. Want more audiobooks? Go to jakebible.com for info and access to dozens of Jake Bible fiction audiobooks and ebooks. Cheers.